Welcome to the Mind Matters News Podcast. I'm your appreciative host, Robert J. Marks, appreciative of the quality of the guests that we are able to have on Mind Matters News. So let's talk. Why is the speed of light the speed of light? Why isn't it slower or faster? Why is the universal gravitational constant what it is? It turns out these and other constants of the cosmos are what they are so that the universe is habitable, so that you and I can live on planet Earth. There is very little controversy that the universe is fine-tuned. Astronomer Robert Jastrow was head of NASA's theoretical division and the founding director of the Goddard Institute for Space Studies. He said, it is my view that the universe was created for man to live in. And it's because it's very, very finely tuned by some of these constants that we're talking about. And we talk about fine tuning of the cosmos today on Mind Matters News. We have two great guests who have published extensively in the literature about fine tuning. Dr. Daniel Diaz is a research assistant professor of biostatistics at the University of Miami. Daniel, welcome. Thank you, Bob. It's a pleasure to be here again. Okay, and Dr. Uh, Ola Hersher is a professor of mathematical studies at Stockholm University and joins us today directly from Sweden. Ola, welcome to you too. Oh, thanks a lot, Bob, and it's a pleasure for me too to be part of this. That, you know, that's that's great. I, we're having a three-continent podcast today because Daniel is in his home country of Colombia. He teaches at University of Miami. And Ola is in Sweden, so this is really amazing. Ola, Daniel, I'm an engineer. When I design something, I want robustness. If I use a resistor of 10 ohms in some sort of circuit and the resistance changes to, say, I don't know, 10 and a half ohms, I want my circuit to still work. But there has to be some wiggle room for small changes in parameters, such as the ohmage. Uh, but eventually the circuit will break. If the resistance changes to something like a million ohms, my circuit might no longer work. Now, the universe, my example of a resistor in the universe isn't applicable because I don't think we're talking about resistance here. But there's lots of other parameters in the universe as it exists. And uh, that's what we want to talk about. And they have to, they are fine-tuned, just like, like my 10-ohm resistor, uh, to work well. And there isn't, in some cases, a lot of wiggle room. So, Daniel, let's start with you. Uh, what are some of the constants in cosmology we can look for uh, for fine-tuning? And what would the impact be on the universe if these constants vary too much? Yeah, thank you, Bob, again. So, just let me first mention that that's a very interesting uh, case that I had not considered before, the, the one that you were mentioning for the resistor for fine-tuning. It's a very cool example. And... Uh, yeah, basically, I think a more general way to define it is also uh, fine tuning. You can look at fine tuning for any system to work. Yes. So any, for any system to produce the desired outcome, you can just measure the probability, and then you say if you can say if it is fine tuned or coarsely tuned, whatever it is. So that's a very nice example. In particular, for your question on, on the cosmological fine tuning, we look at different things when we are considering cosmological fine tuning. We look first at the laws of nature. Laws of nature, like the most well-known case, the gravitational law. So gravitation has to be in some very small interval so that life can be produced. Now, it is really uh, kind of 
shooting like a rocket on life. That is more appropriate, even, even though the consequence would be that life exists or does not exist, it's more appropriate even to say that if there is a big fluctuation of gravity, stars uh, would not exist, for instance. Let, gravity, let, let me ask you, what is the gravitational constant? The gravitational constant is just a number that is attached to Newton's gravitational law. Now, that constant was more formally developed after Einstein's uh, general theory of relativity, but it is a nice way just to think about it in terms of what Newton did that is more familiar to all our minds, to all that we know. The basic idea is that there is a constant attached to the gravitational law. And in that gravitational law, that constant is producing some effect. That is the effect that if the constant were the constant too small, then stars could not be formed. And it happens, as it happens, it is in stars that carbon is also formed. So if carbon is not formed, see, if stars are not formed, carbon does not come into existence. And if carbon does not come into existence, we, living beings, we in biology are based on carbon in order to exist, then could have not existed. So uh, that very small number in the gravitational constant would have produced that stars could not be formed and therefore we would not be here. On the other side, were the constant too large, then everything would have collapsed. Basically, the, the, the gravitational force would be too strong and then everything would be collapsing into one single thing, let's put it like that, I mean, in, in the most extreme case. So in that scenario also, life uh, as we know it could have not existed because it's just it stars could have not existed either. So that's one example in the laws of nature. Okay, here, here's an important question. If the gravitational constant increase and I went to my scales, would I weigh more? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, I think so, right? You will. I mean, yeah, that will be given by the gravitational constant. Yeah, the, the st if we increase the gravitational constant, you know, the, the, the stars would collapse into a singularity. But right now, my immediate thing is whether I would weigh more or not. because I'm really <laughs> that's, that's a real word, but preoccupation, <laughs> you're right. And there are other examples. It's, it is not only fine-tuning in the laws of nature. It also, it also happens in the boundary conditions. For instance, it is assumed that uh, entropy would have to be at a very low value at the beginning of the universe so that, again, life could exist as we know it right now. That is something that belongs to a category that is called uh, boundary conditions. And there is another set also of constants to look as finely tuned, and it is the, or the parameters to look as finely tuned. Those are the parameters that come in the standard models in physics. So there is a cosmological and there is a particle standard model in physics. And those models, as any mathematical model, have constants uh, parameters, free parameters, as they call it in physics. Then those parameters also, in general, have to be finely tuned in order for life to exist. Okay, what are some of the other examples of universal uh, constants that we can have interest in? Okay, so uh, other examples, for instance, are the a cosmological constant that Einstein developed with his general theory of relativity. Let, let me ask you about the cosmological constant. I, I know enough to know a little bit about the history that uh, 
Einstein fudged the cosmological constant to get the results that he wanted and later regretted doing so. Do we have a way of measuring the cosmological constant a lot more accurately today? Yeah, I mean, there is some discrepancy actually between what we are observing, and it's a big discrepancy actually between what we are observing and what uh, it was theoretically uh, predicted. And that's what one of, one of the biggest questions in, in physics right now. One of the most interesting questions in physics right now depends on, 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 on that cosmological constant. But it is very interesting. And some people have pointed this out that even though uh, that cosmological constant was introduced by Einstein in order to correct quotation marks correct, uh, the, the theory that he was developing because it was implying a beginning and he realized that the beginning, I mean, when he realized that it was, the, his theory of relativity was implying a beginning, he tried to correct that because the cosmo, the, the worldview at the time was that the universe was, uh, has existed for an infinite time. Then actually uh, he introduced this constant and he called it uh, the biggest blunder in his life. But yes. as some people have pointed out, even Einstein's mistakes ended up being useful. So that cosmological constant right now is a central topic of cosmology, and a lot of research is happening trying to uh, justify some discrepancies, that big discrepancies actually that are observed in the cosmological constant. Okay, so some other constants that we have to pay attention to. Yeah, there is also the uh, primordial fluctuations. This is basically a, a quantum a quantum event. There is something very interesting actually about it. It has usually been mentioned that these uh, primordial fluctuations are finely tuned. One of the things that we found in our paper is that for this particular example, the probability is very large. So it might be that subject to a different set of conditions and restrictions, it could end up being fine-tuned. But as we measured, it is not as fine-tuned as it basically it was thought before. That's another example, at least of tuning, even if it is not fine, but coarse, according to our findings. So in truth, there's a lot of fundamental constants. I, I, I've heard, for example, the um, the electric charge of an electron, oh, for yeah. example. Yeah. The, the, the weak force, the strong force. Oh, man, there, there, there looks to be tens, maybe hundreds of different constants that we can look at and we have to ask our question the question like the speed of light why is this constant equal to this constant and look at the consequences of what would happen if it varied is it a fine-tuned thing or is there a lot of wiggle room there yeah you're right so the, the, when you were mentioning the force there are basically four fundamental forces the uh, electromagnetic force the gravitational force the weak and the strong force those are uh, the Four big forces and the unification of all those four forces is what is called a theory of everything in physics. Uh, that theory does not exist yet, basically because uh, gravitation uh, is very stubborn and it refuses to be placed in the same category as the others or in the same model, let's say, as the others in the in terms of unification. Well, in fact, I think it was Stephen Hawking that gave up pursuing the theory of everything. He didn't do it because of the unification of the different forces, but he, he appealed to Gödel and the fact that no matter what you did, there were going to be stuff that was true in the universe that you still needed to prove. Oh, that's very interesting. Hawking appealing to Gödel. That's very interesting. Uh, so, so 
what we need in order to discover that the universe is fine-tuned, we don't even need that to, to measure and to see that all the constants are finely tuned. If only one of those is finely tuned, then we can simply say that or deduce that the universe is finely tuned. That's very interesting because actually what is happening is that if those constants are independent of each other, and that's what is happening in the models, raining physical models right now, is that they have to be assumed as independent. If they are not, then one could be reduced to the other and they could be discarded from the model. So if only one of those is finely tuned, then we can say that the universe is finely tuned too. So are there numerous constants that are finely tuned? There are. Um, that's our quest, actually, and that's what we want to observe. So what follows in our project is just now that we develop the theoretical way to uh, measure those probabilities, is go and measuring those probabilities for the cosmological and particle model. Excellent, excellent. What we expect is to find that some of them, maybe most of them, are going to be finely tuned. But again, if there is only one that is finely tuned, then that would be enough to say that the universe is finely tuned too. Boy, that's that's interesting. But uh, again, Stephen Hawking, I think, speaking of Stephen Hawking, uh, also said that nothing is ever proved in physics. You just accumulate evidence. So if you have one that is not finely tuned, that's evidence. But boy, if you have a bunch of them that are required to be finely tuned, that's really a lot of evidence that something is going on. And as, as Fred Hoyle said, somebody has been monkeying with the universe. So very interesting. Ola, uh, we talk about um, we talk about fine tuning and these cosmological constants. And one of the terms that you use in your papers is an LPI. Uh, what's an LPI? What does it mean? And uh, how do we measure it? Yes, um, and we 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 talked about this during the episodes uh, one and two. And uh, a life LPI—that's a life permitting interval for a certain constant of, of nature or a certain cosmological constant. And it could also be a life-permitting interval for a ratio between two constants of nature. And that means that this constant or, this ra- and the, or the ratio of these two constants needs to fall within its life-permitting interval in order for the universe to harbor life. And in episodes one and two, we talked about the universe being fine-tuned. It requires two things. First of all, we need to find this life-permitting interval, and that is, physicists have done that, and that is the independent specification, the life-permitting interval. And then we need to find what would be the probability if the universe was generated by chance, according to some distribution, what would be the probability that this constant of nature or the ratio between two constants of nature ended up within its life-permitting interval. And if that probability is small, then we say that that constant of nature or the ratio between these two constants of nature is fine-tuned. And as Daniel said, it's enough to find one constant of nature that is fine-tuned in order for the universe to be fine-tuned, because then it's also very unlikely that the, that the universe was generated by chance, one that uh, harbors life. Excellent. We, we talked before about the difference between just looking at the intervals and looking at the probability an event was in that interval. Can you give me some examples of some of the constants of nature and the probability that the event as we see it lies within the life-permitting interval? 
Yes, and, and in this uh, joint paper of ours uh, is Cosmological Tuning Final Course uh, in the Journal of Cosmology and Astroparticle Physics, then we give a couple of examples. And uh, the first example, that's really a ratio of two constants of nature. It's a ratio of the constant of gravity that Daniel talked about and Hubble's constant square. And Hubble's constant is related to a constant that explains how fast the universe is expanding. Now, let me, let me ask you this. Why do you take the ratio of constants as opposed to the constants? I mean, couldn't you kind of uh, cook the books by looking at different ratios and seeing that they were fine-tuned? What, what's the reason behind taking these ratios? Well, well, sometimes it could be the case that the ratio is more fine-tuned than each of the two constants themselves. It could be that they have to have a certain ratio in order for life to exist in that universe. We can think of it as a balance between different forces. The balance is more important than the actual strength of the two forces, so to speak. I see. So maybe the life-permitting interval for one of these constants would not be as meaningful as with another one because there's an interplay between those two constants. Yeah, exactly. So sometimes the, the, the life-permitting interval of the ratio could be smaller than the life-permitting intervals of each constant by themselves. And in this case, uh, theoretical physicists have come up with an equation that relates the ratio between the constants of gravity and Hubble's constant squared with the critical density of the universe inverse when the universe was very uh, young. So it's actually the case that that critical density is highly fine-tuned. And, and, and then there are some other constants as well, but this is sort of the important constant uh, that comes up in that equation that says that the critical density of the universe is closely related to the ratio between the constant of gravity and the Hubble's constant squared. You know, I, I just thought of, thought of an example of um, this in my field, electrical engineering. There's something called a voltage divider where the percent of a voltage that is bled off is is just a function of the ratio between the two resistors. Mm -hmm. And so therefore, talking about the sensitivity of a single resistor doesn't make sense. You do have to talk about the ratio of two. So it, in talking with you, I just realized that these are problems in, in circuit design also, and I'm sure in other designs. Okay, continue with your example, because we want some numbers here. Yeah, yeah, and, and that example, which relates the ratio between the constant of gravity and, and the squared Hubble constant, it relates that to the inverse of the critical density of the universe. That's called the Friedman equation. And uh, Paul Davis, he has actually estimated, one well-known physicist, he has estimated that the relative, the life-permitting interval of that ratio between these two constants of nature has a relative size of 10 to minus 60. And that means this is the length of the interval divided by its uh, midpoints. And, and, and it's more meaningful to talk about the relative size because it's dimensionless. It's not dependent on the unit we use to measure, measure the constant of gravity or the Hubble's constant squared. So, so the relative size of the life-permitting interval is 10 to minus 60. We can think of 1% as 10 to minus 2 or 1 per milli to, as 10 to minus 3. So it's extremely small. Now that's the probability, is that right? Oh, no. Uh, well, it, it, it's actually the size of the... Of the, the size. But, yeah, yeah, it's a size. And then we have a general way, we talked about that in 
in during episode one and two that the then the important thing is not the size per se and not even the relative size per se even though it's dimensionless it's actually the probability that we sign to yes. this life permitting interval and then we have uh, and it actually dif- it that probability depends a little bit on how we choose the null distribution, the distribution of this, the, the ratio between these two constants of nature. And it can be done in a few slightly different ways, but they all end up with probabilities that are like 74% of, of, of this relative size. So, so if this relative size was 10 to minus 60, the probability is 0.74 times 10 to minus 60. And, and another approach is 50% instead of 74%. But, but uh, the take-home message is that the probability is, is very close. It's of the same order as the relative size of the life-permitting interval. So the probability you're saying is about one in a million, if I remember your... Well, well, well it, it, it's, it's one to... 10 to 60 so it's much smaller oh my goodness 10 to the 60th now you know putting that into uh perspective i i think i've heard that there are 10 to the 80th atoms in the universe and so 10 to the 60th is really really big what is that it's a million you say a million 10 times you get 10 to the 60th so it's a million 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 becomes a tongue twister after a while (laughs) so it's a really really humongous number yeah it is it is so so it's it's really amazingly uh, large and and then we have another closely related example that also gives a highly fine-tuned ratio and then we still have the constant of gravity in the numerator of, of that ratio but then we have something called lambda vacuum that is a contribution from vacuum energy to the cosmological constant that daniel talked about and then physicists have come up with very small uh, number for that for the relative size of the life permitting interval of that ratio as well the the constant of gravity divided by lambda vacuum and then the relative size uh, depending on the theory used, some authors come up with a relative size of that life-permitting interval that is 10 to minus 50 or even 10 to minus 100. Now, that's the interval, not the probability. Yeah, yeah. And then the probability is of the same order as the relative size of the interval. So, so, okay. so, so, and, and it's like uh, half of, of the relative size, the probability, or it's 75% of, 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 of the relative size of the life-permitting interval, depending what approach we use for computing the probability. We, we talked about this during episode one and two that we used maximum entropy for the, we chose the prior distribution of the ratio of these two constants according to the maximum entropy principle, but we could do it in different ways. Either we could choose, apply the prior to the ratio itself between these two constants of nature, or we can apply a, a prior to the numerator and denominator specifically. And, and but at the end of the day, we come up with very similar numbers for the probability of ending up within this life-permitting interval, which is of the same order as the relative size of this life-permitting interval, which is like in the second example, the constant of gravity divided by lambda vacuum, which was the contribution from vacuum energy to the cosmological constant. Then its relative size was 10 to minus 50 or 10 to minus 100. 
and that the probability of ending up in that interval is of the same order, regardless of which maximum entropy approach we use for calculating the prior. That's fascinating stuff. Uh, You've pointed out, Ola, some things, some parameters that are very finely tuned. Daniel, are there constants of the cosmos that are not finely tuned? Well, yes. uh, In our paper, we find uh, two cases, one of those very atypical. I think this was something that Ola also mentioned in one of the previous podcasts. Once we're measuring the ratio of two constants, it is possible for some settings to obtain that the ratio is not going to be that finely tuned. That particularly is going to happen when the average is inside the life permitting interval. But uh, then if we take into account that again, that uh, life permitting interval is very small, then general, we can uh, find a prior distribution for that parameter, the average, the expected value being inside that interval, life permitting interval. Yes. And then and depending on that, it's possible, even though atypical, to find that in some cases that uh, average is going to be inside that life permitting interval. If it is happening, then particularly when the two constants in question are living in the whole real line, so it's not taking only, for instance, positive values, but it could be positive values, negative values, and zero, then in that scenario, it is possible not to have uh, fine-tuning. Do you have a specific example yeah, yeah. So for the situations that Ola was mentioning, then it is possible just not to think of those constants are living in the positive in the positive interval, in the positive real line. When we are considering the whole real line, then uh, we could obtain those things. For instance, let me just mention something. I mean, because this is a theoretical example, or this is a theoretical consideration, a mathematical consideration again, as we mentioned before. So gravity is assumed to be positive so that it is an attraction force. But theoretically, if we are allowing for the constant of gravity to move outside the life-permitting interval, then it is also possible to think of a universe in which there's no attraction force, in which case the gravitation would be the gravitational constant would be zero. So if I went and I went and weighed myself, I would really lose weight, right? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Your weight would be zero. <laughs> I'm obsessed with my weight. So yeah, please go ahead. And it is even theoretically possible once we're moving the value of that constant, which is in, again the, the essence of the fine-tuning uh, argument. It is also theoretically possible to think of gravity as being negative, in which case it would not be an attraction force, but it would be a repulsion force. So in that case, then the gravitational constant would be living throughout the whole real line. Uh, It could take values throughout the whole real line. And then in that scenario, if, uh, again, the the expected value, the average, is living inside the life-permitting interval, is found inside the life-permitting interval, it's going to be very difficult to determine that there is fine-tuning. So the tuning would be coarse in that case. Excellent. There is also another possible scenario that we studied. Uh, These are part of the two examples that we considered in the paper. We were looking at the gravitational constant and the ratio to other constants in nature, but we also consider the uh, amplitude of the primordial fluctuation. As I mentioned in the previous in the previous answer, uh, with the, this amplitude of the primordial fluctuations, we did not find that it was finely tuned. Actually, what we found is that it is 
coarsely tuned. Okay, what what was that example again? Could could you be sp- specific about the constants involved? Yeah, the amplitude of the primordial fluctuations. So we are taking this constant as standing alone, no ratio or anything. It's just we are looking at it. I see. Okay. And what we found is that actually it, the probability of its life permitting interval is very large. If I remember well, it's something like uh, 0.3, but Ola can correct me. If, uh, so that was 30%. That was the probability that that constant would be created by chance, right? Yeah, it's actually uh, it's actually not zero point three. It's actually close to zero point seven. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. So it's it's very it's very high. Yeah, I'm looking here at the paper and and I just uh, can correct myself. So the point is that actually what is happening with these uh, primordial fluctuations is that the life permitting interval is spreading through uh, several orders of magnitude, and that is producing that when we're looking at probabilities in the way we measure them, then the probability is high. So it's not going to be that finely tuned. That being said, it is important to notice that in our method, what we're finding is a maximum for that probability. So to put it in some formal terms, whenever we are finding that one constant is finely tuned, then we can be sure that it is finely tuned, but because the actual probability is going to be either that maximum or smaller. So the probabilities are the worst case. That's the worst possible case that it could be. Yes, yes. That's because we are being highly conservative in order to avoid false positives. Understood. So we are avoiding false positives, but the method is not that good in avoiding false negatives because it is a maximum again. So from that perspective, whenever we are finding a high probability, with our method, it does not mean that it is not finely tuned. It means that the method cannot say anything definite in the end. I see. So it could be that the things that you found that were not fine-tuned could be fine-tuned, but from what we know and in accordance to the model you're using, they're not fine-tuned. Yes, exactly. Because as I said again, uh, this is a maximum. So if the maximum is, uh, is very small, then we know that the probability should be smaller than that maximum, and then it is finely tuned. But if the maximum is too high, then we don't know what is the real status. Okay, okay. Well, excellent. This is this has been a fun chat. Uh, we've been talking with uh, Dr. Uh, Ola Hirschier from Stockholm University, and he's in Sweden right now. And Dr. Daniel Diaz from the University of Miami, who is in Colombia. We've been talking about different ways to measure fine tuning. Thus far, we have talked about fine-tuning, but we haven't talked about the cause of fine-tuning. We'll continue to talk about that in the next podcast on Mind Matters News. Until then, be of good cheer. This has been Mind Matters News with your host, Robert J. Marks. Explore more at mindmatters.ai. That's mindmatters.ai. Mind Matters News is directed and edited by Austin Egbert. The opinions expressed on this program are solely those of the speakers. Mind Matters News is produced and copyrighted by the Walter Bradley Center for Natural and Artificial Intelligence at Discovery Institute. 